I'm Austin, and this is the Hort Bajir Chronicles. Figures hurriedly enter the tree line near the Yurk outpost base and spread out, unorganized, surprised. Flashlights turn on and begin to scan all the surrounding areas, hushed murmurs relaying information. No sign of the Andalite bandits here. Which way did they go? They were in Hork-Bajir Morse. A second wave of humans joins the search, led by none other than police chief Chapman. He hid it well, but inside he was panicking. The rest of you fan out, Port Bajir in the trees, and covering as much ground as you can. Consider your proximity limit to the city expanded by 10 sectors. Do not be seen, but make sure you are thorough in your search. His tennis shoes sunk into a puddle, and the water sank into his shoe. He felt it on his skin right away. He hadn't even had time to put socks on. He was in such a hurry. His t-shirt and sweatpants were also being soaked as the light mist had turned into a gentle rain. This wasn't one of the booming thunderstorms Ocean Grove was accustomed to. It was a somber spring rain, the kind that didn't even affect your vision or make you shield yourself from the droplets. The controllers expanded their search, following any signs of the fleeing Andalites. At some point, those tracks and trails that the Yerks had picked up just trailed off into nothingness. Chapman, or rather the Yerk in his head, began to think of what would happen to him if the visitor was not found. Would he be reprimanded for not doing his job well enough as the visitor's appointed overseer? Or would he rise in rank himself during the power vacuum? A shimmer in the distance catches his eye and he turns his flashlight shining it in that direction. His thoughts then became void because what was emerging from the tree was an Andalite, but one he had come to know, Visser Three's Andalite host. The Visser looked surprised to see him, his main eyes wide. Visser, Chapman spoke. The dark brown eyes then narrowed and glared back at Chapman. All of you stand with the van behind you. Savannah and Zach and Hort-Bajir morphs towering over a human Dylan. Aximili poised beside Savannah, his back first standing up. Craig's hologram has a look of shock on it as he watches from the passenger seat of the van. As Matea has her main eyes focused on you, Dylan. She raises her hands, her tail blade on the ground. I will submit myself to your questions and your judgments, and I will answer honestly. She does scan around with her stalk eyes, but I will not let any of you kill me. I will not be a prisoner either. You do not get a say in the matter, traitor. 
Maximilli says. And with that, her stalk eyes look to him. You all can see some anger in them, but still sadness. Traitor's blood seems to flow with the warriors, doesn't it, Aximili? At least as far as Andalites go, she snaps back. Or have you forgotten? If you are speaking about my brother, I am speaking of your brother, she shoots back. Her thoughts speak boils in anger. Your brother would be labeled a traitor as well because of compassion, because he gave these humans a fighting chance. But he had his reasons, didn't he? And I have mine. Aximili stares with all four of his eyes at her furiously, intently. But before he can answer, you all hear in your heads. Okay, that does it. And then from the sky, thudding on the ground is an already demorphing Cameron. If we're doing this, I want a piece. You just wait, Matea, as he slowly starts to demorph from an owl. Matea's main eyes turn from Dylan to Aximili, but she moves one stalk eye to focus on Dylan and the rest on all moving back and forth from all the humanimals. And still, despite her being on a little bit of defense now that her and Aximili have been going back and forth, you still see the sadness in her eyes. But she waits. She doesn't move. Zach quietly like looks at Savannah and then just takes a step or two forward till he, so he can get in front of Cameron. Savannah is going to start demorphing. And with everybody being so chaotic, it, she will just talk directly to Maitea. And as she's coming out of it, out of her hork down to her human body, she's going to say, all right, so the first question is, how are you going to clean up this mess? She kind of uh, looks at you with one of her stock eyes. Do you mean the body? All of it. I don't know. I don't have plans. I didn't have plans to clean up anything here. Well, you didn't have plans. I have plans. I don't think you do. I think you walk around and you just try to get people to do what you want them to do with no actual consideration for what an actual good idea is. So how are you going to clean this up? Dylan is just going to walk past everybody and start walking toward the body. That stock I will kind of follow Dylan and, and she'll, Matea will hesitate in her answer as she watches Dylan. You may not know me, Savannah, but you don't know how right you are. I don't know how I'm going to clean anything up for you all. Or us. Wouldn't... Me leaving the mess wouldn't affect me. You sure about that? 
Not any more I won't be wanted any more than I already am. You are disappointingly short-sighted. She doesn't say anything bad. Zach just looks over at Savannah again, kind of tries to catch her eye. And then I think he remembers he can thought speak and goes, uh, just to her, goes, oh, is there anything, like, I'm going to try to get around behind her? What is the plan? Uh, Savannah's probably already back to her human body at this point. Well, what is the plan? Maite has made it clear that she's not going to do anything but submit to questioning temporarily. I figured you all would want to know the reasons behind this. Certainly, yes, we would. But then what? And then I'll go on my way. Interesting. I will need the box. No. What is Dylan doing? As she gets to it, uh, she's just going to stand there for a second, um, and then she's going to bend down and start attempting to uh, pick up this body. Savannah will start walking over to Dylan. Savannah, as you walk up, you see Dylan heft up this Andalite body, and she has, like, the whole front end of it kind of like up and starting to like maneuver it onto her shoulder it's it's awkward but uh dylan you feel like you can move this this body around it, it's not like you know you're fully fireman carrying it but you feel like you have enough of a, a grip on it that you can drag it some animal helper even if it's just like you know not <laughs> not mechanically she will help her I think as Dylan is hefting this body um, and Savannah walks up, Savannah just sees tears streaming down her face. And she says, we, we have to get him. We, we can't leave him, right? Right. And she's just going to start hefting him toward the van. Without saying anything, I think Zach is, knows that it's fruitless, but he is trying to do one of his will reserve healing things to try to bring Arboron out of this. Not Arboron. A Lauren. A Lauren. Wrong guy. If, it, if there's a speech component involved, it's private thought speak. But uh, Just to this corpse. The speech is going to be a, a patter of things like you've gone through so much, you can't end like this. You have to get up. Like You're finally free. You don't deserve to die like this. And just ongoing that kind of thing but it's all private again and he's not even moving like he's trying not to make it obvious that he's doing this thought speech is a mixture of words like when you're human you're probably projecting those words but it's also feelings and you know like transferring emotions to make it to help people understand even if they don't speak the verbal language you you speak uh, and there's like a little bit of a connection when you thought speak, but that feeling is fleeting and all but gone, and you feel the last strand of it. 
just snap. So I feel him fully die. Yeah, in a way. It's the second time I've felt an Andalite die. I think uh, Zack just kind of turns away from the group and starts demorphing. As you turn, Cameron moves past you and he stops right in front of Matea and they just stand eye to eye. And he just huffs at her and walks past and helps Dylan and Savannah. And you guys pull the body back to the van. And as you load it up, Matea doesn't move from her position, but still waits there. I had to do it. Get in the van. Do what she says. After a couple beats, Matea will move towards the van. And get in. After they get the body in the van, Dylan's going to go around to the driver's seat. And make sure that everybody's inside. Yeah, Cameron will hop in. Zach gets in last. Maximilian's in and he stands where he is like right next to Matea and his blade is at the ready. Should we get back to the cabin and do this on our turf? At that, Dylan cranks the van and starts heading toward the cabin. I'm assuming that it's probably a pretty silent ride. That time passes. Eventually you make it back to Oscar's cabin. Cameron will slide the door open as you get there and the rain uh, that was like a a mist is now uh, falling a little bit more gently. He hops out. Eximili, what are, what are your people's rituals around this? We have a, a death ritual that we can perform for him. I will get it set up and instruct you all in the ways. Okay. Maybe at dawn. All right. Yeah, he'll hop out to Cameron will like start to like move Aleron's body, trying to position it to get it ready. Zach will help him. And Craig's still with us, correct? Mm-hmm. Assuming that Savannah's kind of getting out of the van now, I think she's just going to be like, all right, Mateo, let's go, and we can start finding out why you made the decisions that you did. Yes. She'll step out of the van. I think Savannah's just going to walk, like, to the front. You're like, she's not inviting her into the cabin. They're staying outside. If anything, it's to the point where they struggled over the morph cube the first time. Cameron will kind of, like, as he's taking the body, Zach, he'll kind of direct you over to, like, the enclosed porch to put the, the body there. Just for the time being, as everybody kind of reconvenes right here, Axamili will kind of stand right behind wherever Savannah is. Craig just seems to stay in the van, and, and but he's watching. Um, Zach makes sure his eyes are closed, his main eyes and his stock eyes. We try to set him up in something like a 
what looks like a comfortable position rather than just dumping them on the floor, you know. Yeah. I'm trying very hard to be respectful. Yeah. Cameron is too. You can see him kind of like as he's putting the head down, it's gentle. Yeah. I think Dylan's going to walk inside and go upstairs and grab a sheet and bring it back down to lay over him. When Cameron and I finish, I kind of I nudge him inside. So let's gotta go wash our hands, man. Yeah. I'm sure we got blood on our hands, so I'm just gonna kind of like remind him of that. As he like walks past nearing Savannah, he's gonna say, uh, you good? Yeah. He'll walk in. Mateo be standing in the rain as like you guys are gathered near the porch. If you all need a minute to yourselves first, you can take it. I won't leave. Savannah, who pointedly has not removed any blood or anything that may have gotten on her from this point, just looks at Dylan and says, I, I think perhaps you deserve the first questions. I don't even know where to begin right now. That was your dad. It was. But that wasn't about our relationship. It, that relationship, a father and daughter relationship was almost non-existent. This is about something much deeper, much more wrong than the relationship between two beings. What was it about? As you say that, Cameron will rejoin back outside and Zach behind him. Before I tell you, I just want you all to know that you may judge me, you may condemn me. Some of you may even sympathize with me, but whatever feelings you have about this, you all need to understand that we are not the same. And a stock guy does glance at Aximili with that. She says, I'm not trying to justify anything that I've done. I'm only telling my reasons for doing them. You all have helped me. All of you. Her main eyes linger on Dylan. And I owe you at least for that. After, I will just leave. With the box, I hope. And you may try and stop me if you wish, but you will have to kill me to achieve that. I don't wish any of you harm. She looks to all of you and waits for a second. This story is not mine. I'm the only one free to tell it. This is a story about the peaceful, gentle race that you know as the Hort-Bajir. It's about my friends. 
then that same feeling that you get when you thought speak and as you send emotions, a stronger version of that floods over your all's body as Matea begins to tell the story, almost like you're being taken away. It's dark. Mother Sky weeps and her voice crashes out in the night, calling out to Father Deep. The falling water splashes off the enormous leaves that make up the canopy above. It pulls in the recesses of the thick, intertwining branches. A large, dark green talon splashes into a puddle as a seven-foot-tall, scaled creature moves hurriedly across the branch. Its limbs are bladed at its joints, and its arms end in razor-sharp claws. His long snake-like neck swivels his head back and forth, and there's three horns jutting out of it, soaked and glistening in the night glow of Mother Sky. He pauses and gazes at a carved-out section of a trunk of one of these massive trees. His bladed tail sways opposite of his head as he strides forward. Inside is another one of these creatures, knelt down over a bed of thick, soft leaves. She looks back at the creature, and gives him a pleasant nod, a happy nod. Another one of their kind, the Hort Bajir, steps forward to greet the soother, my young one, Kefa Hami. The kneeling female court bajir raises and turns to face the soother. She lets her arms fall to her side as her young one clings around her neck and begins to crawl up. She's a small, the soother says. She young one, the male court bajir called Doc Hummy says. Young one small. She's smaller than other young one. Kefa Hami different, says Loha, the mother. The soother meets the gaze of Loha. Different, he wonders aloud as he begins to realize. A gift, Doc says. Mother Sky give us Kefa Hami. She is seer. Seer, the soother nods. Doc nods back and watches as his young one scurries around her mother's neck. The soother turns out of the hut and goes to walk away with purpose. He moves to the end of the branch and this branch stretches out above many trees but still below the canopy. And at the edge of this branch, strings made from shaved wood stretch high above to branches that sit higher than it. The strings seem to be dampened with an oil. The soother picks at one of the strings and it a hum echoes throughout the trees. He strums more and more. The message of the birth of a new seer is announced.
three Hort-Bajir figures race up the canopy towards the edge of Father Deep, high in the trees. First, we see a rather large Hort-Bajir slam down on a branch and look forward. Tim, do you want to describe your character? Yeah, I am a big-ass Hort-Bajir with heavy blades. Um, yeah, the lizard-like creature, uh, bladed appendages, but I'm big. What do you do? Look around to see if there's bark available. Oh yeah, you're you're up high where the good bark is. Yeah, it's all around you. Yeah, start carving up some pieces of bark for me. As you start carving, you look over and you see another one of your Hork Bajir comrades swinging through. M, do you want to describe your character? Sure. So I'm a little bit more slight of a Hork Bajir. Got a very relaxed presence to me. Just kind of, kind of chill. So I'm going to land and and look at the different types of bark, uh, the different places I land on, and and collect some of that, and and just seem really happy to be in the trees. And as you start to collect this bark and look around and, you know, just take in the surroundings, see what kind of stuff you can pick up around here, you see another Hort-Bajir standing a little higher on a branch just looking out. Jenna, do you want to describe your character? Sure. Uh, I would describe her as downright small compared to the others. Thin, very lithe, can move somewhat fast because she's so small. You guys are on your way to get near the edge of Father Deep where you are looking for red bark. This red bark is sweet and tasty and it can be made into a drink that makes you feel funny. Okay, so you said we're swinging up and, and the, the red bark is only at the edge of, of our sort of area? Uh, it's at the edge of Father Deep. You all are a little bit, little ways away from Father Deep. Okay, well then uh, I motion to everybody else and I kind of grunt and then I just kind of wave my arm to let's go we're almost there we're not almost there (laughs) i feel like this gets farther and farther away every time but yeah let's go so i'm gonna follow keep swinging along i'm gonna scrabble as high up in the tree as i can and look at what's around me you look around and you see thick branches everywhere. They kind of intertwine with each other and make some places look like just one humongous branch that uh, even a Jabba Jabba monster could fit on. Uh, Multiple Jabba Jabba monsters. You see these winged creatures up higher in the canopies. Uh, They tend to stay away from Hort-Bajir when they come near. You see them all flutter as you are kind of higher up here and they flutter to get away. Uh, Their feathers are a dark blue and they have long beaks and uh, four, four skinny um, legs that end in the talons that have the back and the front. Is that the zygodactyl? Mm. Yes. <laughs> Those ones. <laughs> and as you kind of like look down, you see a small four-limbed creature with a long tail in the back and these scaly spikes that line the back and big black eyes on its like round head. And this is a Chadu. 
and <laughs> <laughs> sorry. You see it. You see it scurry down the tree and jump over to each and uh, scurry up on her back. I'm gonna nuzzle in and and say hi. And he like as you do that, he nuzzles back and he goes. <laughs> Kefa, also, as you look in the distance and you kind of peer through the trees back up, you see a bright sky with the light of Mother Sky shining down on you. And you peer even further and you see up ahead there is a clearing and it's darker over there. And there is a canyon and a purple mist flows in the canyon of Father Deep. Does it look like there is a direct, clearer path to get where we're trying to go? There is. One, you can see kind of the direct path. Uh, you know that if you go this way, you're gonna have to climb up further to extend your swings because the branches that are up there are uh, better for gripping. And, and you know, if you go that way, you have to go up higher. But And if you go to the left, you have to go lower. and. Uh, swing on the vines to get through but there's like places to almost run and uh, the best trees for swinging just straight ahead of you you watch as the two other hork majeer you came with they swing down and as they're in front of you you see them getting smaller as they get further and further away uh, she's gonna swing down a little bit and be like hey follow okay y'all will He'll do it, but grumpily. There's been enough times where he's been wrong about the way to go, so he just listens now. He's like, Yeah, I'm gonna scritch my little pet and say, come, come, and follow along. You guys take off in the way that Kefa has shown you. As you swing... Uh, let's roll with some initiative and do a skills challenge to get to oh. Father D. Skills challenges, how they work is you pick a skill and describe how you want to use it to accomplish a goal in order to get to your greater goal, which is to get to Father Deep to get the uh, red bark. Each, you are up. So I am going to say using survival of what I know of the different growth patterns of like moss and stuff on the different trees kind of follow along where I think I could get the best like handhold grips what I know about if a tree is going to be dead or a, a branch might be weaker and just kind of swing and precariously move myself through those parts of it love it 12 you know the direction to go like you know by the moss or and yeah you're you're grabbing the best branches and it's helping you move faster through. That is a success. Kefa. As I see them both uh, sort of getting ahead of me, what I want to do is I want to use um, acrobatics to attempt to do like a flip through the, like between the two of them and grab a piece of bark from y'all. <laughs> yeah, as y'all's yeah. <laughs> going to uh, eat a piece of bark with one hand swinging. Kefa, what does it look like as you come through? They're kind of swinging sort of in tandem and they just see feet first, then tail, and then she reaches out and snatches the bark as she gets right past them. Y'all just got a, a bark snatched. 
<laughs> and then he reaches over and claws off another piece of bark. But uh, he's going to use athletics because he's just trying to power his way through this, almost running the path that that Kefa has laid out for him. Oh, he's so good at it too. <laughs> you slice uh, with one of your elbow blades as you're moving. Bark flies off, and you grab it. And as you like fall through the trees, you <clears throat> land on a branch and propel yourself forward, and you caught right back up. Nice round. Nice round. Yeah. yeah. Each. So having had uh, Bark swiped from me, be like, hey, okay, I'll share. I'm going to look for nature to see if I can find a particularly good piece of bark to share uh, with me and with uh, my little buddy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that I do. (laughs) You find a piece of bark that looks, it it shines a little, like it's a, a, a vine of, that is on one of these trees and the there's like bark that grows around it and it makes it shimmer a little bit when it grows on this on this vine and that looks good you've never had that one so maybe you want to try it yes kefa you're up as you see each uh, start to swing away a little bit towards towards this vine Let's use nature. I, I think I want to use nature to see if, like, I know what this vine is that each is about to place into both her mouth and tiny little buddies. <laughs> Roll it up. Oh. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, you haven't ever seen it before, but it looks pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all. So either... A sleight of hand or a stealth to try and steal back my bark while she's paying attention to (laughs) what each is doing. Um, I feel like it should be sleight of hand. Yeah. Oh, no! (laughs) You are are watching as uh, Kefa is watching each, and you see her just holding that bark for a second as she gazes off, and you're focused on the bark. You forget your depth, and you just... Let go of the branch behind you and smack into Kefa, and you all both go tumbling in over in. Over. <laughs> Each, you slam, and you're hanging on the tree next to this vine with this bark. I'm going to, yeah, I guess again use my nature to carve off. I, now that I've seen this the shiny piece, I really want it. I really want the special one. Which blade do you use to carve it? Uh, I think my left elbow. Yeah, you slice it in and you get this piece off and you put it up to your little buddy. He sniffs it and he like uh, scurries away from it. And that tells you that it's probably not a good thing to eat. Oh, I'm going to look really dejected about it because I was really excited. But I think I'm going to, I'm going to bring it with me, but I'm not going to eat it. Like I'm going to bring it up to my mouth a little bit and then put it back in my Thing that carries my bark. Yeah, you you have like a leaf satin kind of satchel thing. Okay. In my very stylish crossbody leaf satchel bag. <laughs> it's a leaf Bjorn. Yes. <gasps> Can Jaden go in my my leaf Bjorn? <laughs> he scurries in there, uh, with, like it pushes the bark like up into like the corner of the bag. 
You are tumbling end over end <laughs> through the trees. I want to see if I can sort of correct us so we don't slam into the ground. I mean, I think you, you could probably argue a few skills for that. Perception to see where you're going, athletics to kind of push him around and yourself, acrobatics to miss branches. Yeah, let's do acrobatics. Mm-hmm. Or not. Uh, As you're falling, there's like this clump of branches, and there is like a hole in the middle of it that you could fit through, slide through, and not have to, you know, slam into the, the branch. So you kind of tuck yourself in, and uh, try to spin through, but y'all is right there with you still wrapped up, so you know that like your trajectory is not right and you start to spin out of control. Y'all, you're up. Y'all is going to try a performance to try and convince Kepa that it's not his fault that this happened. <laughs> He's gonna do like the hands up thing, like, no, I didn't do it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> During this fall, you it is not y'all's fault, Kefa. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not y'all's fault. And as he like puts his hands up and your eyes go wide, as the branch gets closer and closer, you slam into him and he slams into the branch and you all just <laughs> laid out flat. Uh, you both take eight bludgeoning damage. Yikes. Each as you kind of come down you can you can see them on this branch and uh, look past a little bit you see the tree with the red bark I'm gonna very confused kind of look down to where they they fell and what do <laughs> hurt kind of look at look at the little buddy and... yeah so I I'm gonna assume that they're fine and that they'll figure it out and I'm gonna keep moving my way towards the red bark survival through just kind of keep meandering not trying to move too fast just works for me this has become far too accurate because i feel like if i fell on jenna in front of swan she would look at me and say what do what do hurt hurt Uh (laughs) just consistently play what i know (laughs) kefa you are laid out sprawled on this tree with y'all I think I'm going to really just sit there and try to get my breath back first and then uh, hop up and propel myself forward as quickly as possible to get to this red bark. Let's do athletics. Hey. Yeah, you kip up and get out of there. Moving through. It's all on you, y'all. For this treacherous skills challenge to get to the red bark to make the drink that makes you feel funny. The first thing that y'all is gonna do is respond to each when she asked if if we were hurt, and he's just gonna look up and be like, "Hurt." Uh, and then he's gonna like roll and then try and uh, work his way back up the tree, which I think would be athletics. Yeah, yeah you still a little bit sore, but manage to. <laughs> get up the tree and eventually you guys make it to this smaller tree with this red tinted bark each is already there starting to carve some stuff off your little buddy the chadun is scurrying around the tree also like licking the bark and like any of the sap that comes out he he like licks it up yeah i i feel like that once y'all gets there he'll just start helping carve the bark and throwing it in the 
the leaf bjorn also uh, uh, occasionally snacking. Mm-hmm. It's sweet. Yeah. As they're carving the bark, um, Keffa is just gonna, she's also carving a bit too, but she's going to say, leave some. Don't take all. <sighs> that was a grunt of approval. <laughs> or understanding, not approval. Understanding. Yeah. Um, Agreement. Would y'all like uh, any like healing of any of the boo-boos or anything that he's disdained? Okay. I might have just found the problem with naming my character, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I now don't understand if it's a group question or a singular question. You did this to us. <laughs> <laughs> yes, y'all like. Wait, we all like it? Jim <laughs> likes it. This was not all the way thought through. <laughs> so, um, so would, yes. would Tim? Would Tim like yes. any any yes. any healing? Hork, Hork Bajir Tim does nod his head. Okay. I climbed down. I'm assuming there's like like scrapes or something from, from the fall through the branches. So I guess can I do like a medicine thing to to put on like a, a little like salve or balm or leaf that would make it like numb and tingly so it didn't like a from the lidocaine tree. <laughs> <laughs> My shoulder's out of socket and Im just walks over and punches it back into place <laughs> and then goes back to work. <laughs> oh, little, the little Chauden climbs up and holds you a piece of bark to put in your thing to, to bite down on. Yeah. <laughs> Not hurt. Only pinch. <laughs> Small pinch. So, yeah, you can roll that medicine check. You guys are out of the skills challenge now. You passed. Yay! <laughs> but yeah, you you check over his scrapes and stuff, and you can kind of you know rub some stuff on there that'll help it heal better and make him feel less pain. As you guys sit around and, and carve this bark for a little while, roll me some perception checks. How many hit points did that give me back, by the way? Just a medi- a medicine check, like yeah, it will help you in certain situations. But uh, she was just kind of assessing it. If okay. she wants to give you some stuff back, I think. Em, you have some other stuff for that. Oh, okay, okay. That's that. I gotta. If you were to give me a rough estimate of numbers out of a total, how hurt would you say you are? Um, if I just just an estimate, I would say that I was eight hurt. Um, just <laughs> ballparking that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if 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 something else happens, we can definitely. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not bad. Bad yeah. by any means right now. Yeah. So, every now and then, from Father Deep, you'll hear grunts and rumbles off in the distance. But Kefa, something catches your attention, but you can't quite make it out at the edge of Father Deep. Okay, I think that Kefa is going to attempt to investigate. He's going to get a little bit closer. As each is carving the bark... And uh, y'all's next to him, and you guys are kind of talking for just a second. Kefa moves away, and then you notice that each as she gets to the edge of Father Deep, and you know that's not a good thing. Uh, but give me an investigation check, Kefa. Okay. You look down 
over the edge of Father Deep and through the mist, you see a movement. And you hear kind of a cry. But you, yeah, you see it, it kind of movement. It's about the size of a, I'm trying to think of in Hort-Bajir terms. It, it would probably come up to your knee blade. Hort-Bajir is the metric system. <laughs> your ankle blade because your knee's too high. Whatever that is in metric. Three metric or something. Yeah, exactly three metric. Exactly uh, three metric. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, do I see like about how far down th- the thing is? Yeah, with with that investigation check, it's it's about twenty five feet down, something like that. Mm. What's that in metric? Uh, eighty or something. <laughs> how 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 upset are y'all going to be when he's right though? <laughs> when, when it's eighty something. I trust him completely. <laughs> okay, um, I'm gonna look for a way to get like something. That looks like I can either hold on to a root to sort of climb down or a path. You can roll a perception check. I'm going to call out to her and say, not safe, not safe. Which is going to cause me to do an investigation check of my own to see what she's doing. One about as well as you would expect it to. (laughs) Yeah, she's, you know what she's not doing? Getting some of this red bark. (laughs) Bark (laughs) bark. And doing dangerous stuff. Yeah. I'm gonna, to quote the great, great Emily, I'm gonna say, What do? <laughs> and as you hear that over your shoulder, Kefa, you do find a nice little handhold uh, to be able to climb down. Yeah, I think I'm going to just go down a little bit to see if I can see a little better. You kind of hang on to this handhold, this root, and lower yourself a little bit. And you guys see her doing this. As you lower, you do get a better look at it. And you see it's this smooth, purple creature with four legs and ears that kind of shoot back and are, like, winged, almost. And you just see, like, eyes that glow white, and it has two little teeth that jut up over its upper lip, like an, uh, yeah, like a stuck out jaw. And underbite. Underbite, underbite. Mm-hmm. underbite. Yeah. And it's just down there with its legs up. <laughs> While Kefa is doing Kefa things, uh, I'm going to look at each. Just confused. Like, what do we do? Mm. Danger. Why, why there? When Red Bark here. Mm. And then he'll go back to doing the Red Bark, because that makes good sense. Why there, when Red Bark here? You all can roll me perception checks again. Uh, Kef, are you going down any lower, or are you pulling yourself back up? Mm, I want to do... I want to do some sort of check to see if I know what this thing is. Let's do history... Or nature. Mm, okay. Father Deep has a lot of beasts that can hurt, and who knows what kind there are. There are many different kinds. You haven't seen this one before. With those perception checks, uh, 
each and y'all, y'all each, um, <laughs> hear more groans from Father Deep, and these seem to be getting louder. Uh, can you can you describe the groan a little more? Like, are you talking like earthquake kind of groan? Like, yeah, like a low, like rumble. big and loud. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Not like a creature growl. Yeah, like a like a creature growl in the distance. Okay. Okay. It just sounds okay. like okay. a low rumble. Okay. Um, okay. So uh, y'all is gonna hurriedly uh, cut off some more bark and then just be like, Kefa. We go. Not safe. No stay. Kefa's gonna pull herself up to where her head is above the the edge of the the little crevice there and say, hurt. And then sort of pop back down. Yell's gonna be like, Kefa hurt? (laughs) Pop up. No. <laughs> no, dumbass. <laughs> yes. It's all so real. <laughs> How do you say dumb shit in Horkbergier? <laughs> I don't know. There was so much in that no. There was so yeah. much back in there. No. Each would climb down, and even though she's scared, kind of move over um, to try and go see. Where uh, where Kefa is? Well, if yeah, if both are going, then I'm going too. As you guys move closer, you get to like the edge of Father Deep, and Kefa has lowered herself into this purple mist that flows, and only her uh, top wrist blades stick out as she hangs onto this roof. Hangs onto this root. Probably standing next to the edge because I wouldn't want to like disturb her handhold, but like like pounding the ground a little bit like gently just being like need to go not safe and being agitated Kefa's gonna drop down a little more and I think do an investigation on this thing to see you know what what is going on with it what is happening roll it up as you drop down a little bit you can see now that this uh, thing is on its back and it's stuck in between two rocks and it's like wiggling its legs and it can't get out. And she's going to drop down the rest of the way. You're on the like the same surface as it now. Y'all each give me a, a perception check. I'm using that now. I feel <laughs> each, you're focused on Kefa in, in this little figure down here. But y'all see in the distance in the mist a silhouette that looks about a hundred feet away right now and it seems to be moving in the direction that you all are at how much is that in metric 25 was about eight so it would be about three thousand two hundred Thirty-two? No, three hundred twenty something. <laughs> okay, perfect. I can see it. Uh, okay, so I see this as well. You, just you see it. I I'm focused oh, on Kappa. Okay. I don't oh, see anything. You okay. see this exclusively. Um, uh, uh, 
Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm climbing down. If they're, like I said, I'm following both of them. I'm, I'm still at the edge. I don't want to climb down. I go up and I put my hand on, on Kefa, and I'm like, we go now. Danger. I'm just going to gesture to the thing that's stuck in the rock. Help first. <sighs> like, he's not sure about it, but he'll hop down and he'll start trying to move the rock. And he kind of alerts you guys to the silhouette, and you see it still moving closer. And actually, it seems like it starts to speed up a little bit. <sighs> Give me an athletics check, y'all. Well, you can have advantage if, if Kepa is helping. Yeah, I want to get on the other side of this thing and, like, sort of try and move it as he's moving the rock. It's a big old 19 for me. You managed to make some headway, and with her pushing up on this beam, you kind of getting a little closer, Kefa. You see it has, like, those two little tusks underbites that shoot up, but it has, like, little sharp teeth all around, too. But you manage to wiggle it a little bit and as he pushes this first rock away, and you've freed kind of its upper half, but its lower half is still locked in. And it does, like, snap at you, but it doesn't manage to get you. So just... <laughs> Kefa's gonna look at this thing sternly and say, Don't bite. <laughs> we help. No chill. <laughs> Harsh buzz. <laughs> this is your little buddy, Chody. Okay, so you said I've got it halfway out. Mm-hmm. Keep pushing. And now, as you like, go back in to keep pushing this, boom, 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 boom. It's uh, starting to run now. So, yeah, I'm just gonna gun it after that rock. Full, full tilt. Really? Another athletics? Yep. This rock is seems like it's actually part of the ground and other rocks were broke around it. So it's harder to get it to break off. Uh, and you push and push and can't manage to, even with Kefa's help. This thing is, is moving fast. It's probably 50 feet away from you all now. Uh, I'll give it one last push. Like with everything. I think Keppa's gonna get is gonna look at this thing and say don't bite, don't bite, don't bite and then position herself like in between, sort of like try and wedge herself in between it and the rock and use her feet to help push 24. The rock (laughs) breaks off and this creature uh, rolls over onto its feet and kind of shakes its ears. Looks up to to you Keppa and then looks to you y'all and then looks back to the beast in its eyes. Its white eyes just go wide as this thing is now 25 feet away from you. Uh, we're gonna roll some initiative. As it approaches Kefa, you notice this one is a Jubba Jubba beast. <laughs> okay, uh, y'all, this is very easy. Uh, decision for y'all, y'all has this big rock in his hands. He is just going to roll this rock in the direction of the beast. You can do athletics, actually, with that. Okay, yeah. It's not even as much in an attempt to hurt the beast as it is to try and make the beast go away or give them time to get away one or the other, you know? Just to cause chaos. Yeah, as it's running forward, you push this uh, rock down 
another ledge that is kind of separating you from the ground floor, or at least as far as you can see down of Father Deep at the moment. As it rolls, this thing goes to jump, and it just hits the bottom of its legs and kind of staggers it for a second. And then yells out, like, We go now! Kepha. Yeah, Kepha's gonna look at y'all and say, Run! And head toward the root. Did the little purple creature run away? Is it gone? No, he's standing there, eyes wide, uh, just scared. When y'all turns and runs, he will pick up little purple creature. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you can kind of double move if you want to just put some distance between you. And well, him. I know I don't. I don't want to jump in front of Emily's turn here. I just wanted to kind of lay that that that's sort of the direction that he would head when he starts to go. I don't want to get too far away from y'all. Okay. Both of us or just me? Just you. Okay. You guys basically get back up to the top of the ledge where you're right there with each on her turn. Each you're up. So they've they've successfully climbed up? Yep. I would say to me, like, dude, to me, to me. How big is the little creature? He is about, he, he comes up to like your ankle blade, but that is in our world, he's about the size of a basketball. Okay, because I can I can put him in my Hork Bajorn. <laughs> Y'all brings him over. Your uh, Chidoin is in there, and he like <laughs> like will scoop back a little bit as this other creature comes up. If y'all puts him in there, he like they stare at each other for a second, and like uh, the Chidoin's long tongue comes out and like flicks this one in the, in the forehead, and his like little white eyes blink for a second. No bite. Be nice. And then. So make sure that they're secure and attached to me. Now I have two friends. There are these moments when things happen and you know that you're just in the right place in this universe. (laughs) Hork Hork Bajorn was one of those moments. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever decision I made that led to that moment was the correct decision. Like, so you both get up to the top, hand off this little creature, and as you guys just take one breath there for a second, you see behind you this figure just like up in the air two massive three-fingered hands spread out as this cry rings out in front of you you see that this jubba jubba monster has two huge red eyes on the top of its head and uh, two bone tusks that seem to stick out from underneath those eyes and then what looks like like a big nose it's just a big nose with more tusks that come out of the mouth its body is like elongated and comes at its knees do the thing where they're not really folded back but people like to think they're folded back (laughs) (laughs) and uh it has like three toe looking things that stick out on the ground but two two more bone tusks that come out of its knee and also rests on the ground and it's like stretched up behind you guys and it swings down to try to grapple we'll say y'all so if you want to make me an athletics check sure that's a I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Barely gotcha. Uh, this thing reaches and wraps these three finger claws around your body and lifts you up in the air. Can I just point out one one feature? Because I am grappled now, right? You are. That'll happen at the beginning of its turn. Oh, okay. I don't know if y'all noticed this, but whenever we're grappled, mm-hmm. we automatically do damage. Because it's grappling a knife. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, he'll just like lift you up in the air and like, bring you to his eyes, drool dripping down his teeth behind bulky sets of tusks on its head. And it just growls at you. Next up is each. With the halo of spores, can I do that as well as cast a spell? If to initiate your halo of spores. I'll say that's a free action. Okay, so I'm gonna do that. I release and surround myself with nearly invisible necrotic spores that are harmless until I unleash them on a creature nearby. So it'll be in front of me in the space that we're occupying. So when it moves into that, we can deal necrotic damage. And then the spell that I want to cast is Blight. <laughs> uh, I'm not strong, but I want to fuck them up with some plants. The Blight is... Cast out rot spores that wash over a creature of my choice. So not y'all, just the Jubba Jubba. And it drains the moisture and vitality from it. The target must make a constitution saving throw. Y'all remember that time that M dehydrated a Jubba Jubba? (laughs) (laughs) Gonna turn him into jerky. Jubba Jubba Jerky. Jubba Jubba Jerky. He rolled a 19 altogether. Your DC is 14. Okay. And then we'll half that, that damage to it. Yeah, it's 18. As those spores, like, you hit, like, parts of its skin as it's reached up behind you, you see it just kind of coil over and, like, bring its arms back down, uh, pulling y'all closer to it. But it did not like that. Next up is Kefa. Yeah, as it pulls y'all in, um, what I want to do is I want to, I want to hit the hand that's holding y'all with my tail blade. Okay. As you kind of swing your tail blade, he just moves y'all in front of it, which blocks the hit from it. Smack him with your tail and as he, like, blocks your hit. Anything else? Not yet. Y'all. I am going to struggle. Well, yeah, I'm just going to try and break loose. Like, I don't know. Uh, you can roll another athletics check. I am scared, though. Y'all, y'all is scared or Tim is scared? Both. <laughs> I don't even think that I would be attacking. I think I would just be trying to, like, break loose. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, just trying to wiggle out. So, athletics, you think? Athletics. 15. A 17. As you kind of push away, it squeezes tighter. Hold its grip on you. Okay. Each. Uh, infestation. So... Uh, send out a cloud of mites, fleas, and other parasites to swarm one creature uh, within range. Uh, target must succeed on a constitution, constitution saving throw, or it takes 2d6 poison damage and moves 5 feet in a random direction. Another 19. Okay, so I don't think there's any effect if you pass. These little bugs, you kind of shoot them out at wherever you're holding them. They start to come out and move towards this thing, and he just opens his mouth and <gasps> inhales and swallows them all. Power move. Chris. <laughs> Anything else? So he's standing with y'all, and then Kefa and I are both kind of in front of him? We'll say you're about 15 feet away from him because he pulled back a little bit the, the on the blight. So. Okay. I guess I would just like to... I know it's kind of an edge, but move up so I'm more on the side of him and get a little bit closer. Okay. You scurry out onto this, like, overhanging branch that's out there, and you're kind of to the side of him a little bit. And then he lets out a roar at the beginning of his turn as he has y'all grappled. And he has to make a constitution saving throw. Oh. 
because he starts his turn in my halo of spores. Right. Mm -hmm. If I just click on bladed hide, will it roll five d ten? Or is it just does it just deal five? And I'm reading this wrong. It, is it five d ten? I think it just deals five. Hang on. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it's one d ten. Oh, one d ten. Five is the average. Yeah. yeah. So. Okay, so I should just roll one d ten. Yeah. Twenty four on his content. <laughs> Juice. It's a hardy boy. I did it again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Oh. Does he take any damage on a successful save? I don't think so. Yeah, it says I can use my reaction to deal 1d6 necrotic damage to that creature unless it succeeds on a constitution saving throw DC 14. As long as it it's space within 10 feet of me, so as long as he's in that that space it'll it's either my reaction or when he starts his turn okay as you kind of cut him with one of your blades as he still has you grappled y'all he uh, moves his hand back and slams it into the wall and so this will be an attack against your ac oops how dare you oops. Uh, so it'll be double the dice I don't like that, though. Uh-uh. <laughs> oh, whoa. Uh-uh. Uh, oh. 28 damage as he slams you against the side of Father Deep's cavern. And then for a second attack, he launches you towards each. So each does a 15 hit your AC. Yes. I am not a weapon, Austin. <laughs> you take six bludgeoning damage and make a strength save. 13 is good enough. As y'all hit you, you do like take a step back on this branch that you're on and kind of dig it in. My babies! <laughs> and you manage to keep him from falling off this branch, but he is still prone laying on this okay. branch. Y'all, you're prone. And it's your turn. Okay. Uh, well, I gotta use my action to stand up, right? Half your movement. Okay. Half my movement stood up. I am going to look at my two companions and I'm gonna say we go now and then try and convince them that we need to run away do you want to move yeah whatever as as much as this game will let me move I'm going to do that yeah so you break e8 for 40 feet and then another 15 yeah that sounds right way to go math guy yeah I could do it when it's D&D &D <laughs> adjacent <laughs> Keffa, you see y'all start to jump up in the tree and start to swing away. Yeah, Keffa's gonna look at each and say, home, home. But Keffa's gonna turn back to this thing and attempt to get one more swipe in. <laughs> Keffa's salty. <laughs> a little bit. What, Jenna, <laughs> what's happening? I'll roll a new character, it's fine. Don't worry, I'll just roll a new character. <laughs> Skills challenge, no problem. First encounter, big problem. You are going to miss, and we'll deal with that in a second, but mm -hmm. do you have anything else on your turn that you want to try to do? It depends on what's going to happen when I miss, because I would like to to run away. Yeah, I think that's what is not probably won't happen. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Each, you see y'all start to move away. Keffa move in a little bit for a second and start to swing her tail at this thing. I would like to poison spray. Hey, guess what? Constitution saving throw. Apparently all <laughs> of my spells attack constitution, so. 
A 13. Fails. Yay! Okay, 1d12 poison damage. Yeah, take that. Stings what? right in your paper, right in your paper cuts. <laughs> ah, right in the cut that y'all made. That's where you get <laughs> that one little spot. I would like to start to move back, but not full speed. I don't want to leave Kefa, but I want to move back out of a any swipe or grapple distance with with my babies. You yeah, you like uh, hold your hork bajorn close and jump up with one of your hands and start to move back a little bit. And then at the beginning of its turn, it's, he's not grappling anybody. He's not within the spore of the halo of spores anymore. And as you swing your tail forward, he dodges out of the way and tries to wrap his fingers around you. So that'll be an athletics or an acrobatics check. Mm-hmm. You just managed to like jump up Suck out of the it. way <laughs> as his hands close around, and now you can take the rest of your movement. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, absolutely. I'm I'm getting the fuck away. As you move away, he's going to take an opportunity attack. Nope. No, he's not. <laughs> oh, he's not because... He's super not. Because somebody's slippery. Let's see. Should I use cunning action? Might as well. Because that lets me disengage. Yeah, I'm going to do that. He grabs for you. You manage to slip away. And then as you're moving, he tries to swing, but you're just too fast. You're already out of his range. But with his movement, he is chasing you all now. Y'all is furthest back then each, and then right pretty close to each is Kefa, and then about 10 feet behind you all is the Jubba Jubba monster. You all are swinging through the branches, and as you all swing, you, you start to catch up to each other, but this thing moves out of Father Deep into the trees and is following. As it chases you, it goes above, knocks branches down, you all have to jump out of the way, move to another branch, swing on a vine, and it's this scene of it just massacring the forest as it chases you through it. And eventually, it jumps over top of you, and all three of you uh, make dexterity saves. Ugh. All three of you, as it's over top of you, it smacks, it smacks into you, wraps you all three in his arms as it just plummets to the ground. It's gonna be a short, short story, Austin. <laughs> you all take ten bludgeoning damage. I'm out. And as this thing pushes itself up off of you, you see y'all sprawled out, eyes closed, shallow breathing, embedded into the mud. And this thing pushes up. Both see it, and the drool just drips down right beside each one of your heads. As its mouth opens wide, you all see it moving down, growling, and it's about to chomp you. And then you hear the sound of flesh ripping as you look and see the bottom part of this jaw of this beast fall right in between each and Kefa. And as it does, you you see next to it a four-legged, blue-furred being with an upright humanoid torso, a hork torso, but the top, its head is a triangle shape. It has no mouth, three slits, two stalk eyes come off of its top of its head and its arms are just behind it as it look as it the stock eyes look behind it and you see seven clawless limbs on the end of its arms and then at the end of on its rear end a tail reaches up into the sky that ends in like a scythe blade and you see the uh, blood of this jubba jubba monster dripping off of that blade and it turns back around to the jubba jubba and moves 
pretty fast, faster than you guys have seen with this tail just slicing into this being. The Jubba Jumbo Monster falls to the ground as this thing stands and looks down at you. An almost barren planet sits in the dark expanse of space, many light years from the next inhabitable home of any species in the galaxy. The creatures of this planet were destined to live their existence, isolated, alone. But funny things happen when you just let the universe be. Destiny is not always an unbreakable certainty. Sometimes, even with all the odds stacked against it, life finds a way. My name is Simtaf123, and I was surrounded in darkness. Complete, total, utterly endless space avoid darkness and silence. It was the only life I knew. I didn't even know to want more than the subtle vibrations of the liquid of the yurt pool or the occasional feeling of running into one of my pool mates. The life of a yurt was simple then. Swim and absorb Condrona. Exist. That's it. I could think, be it on a very limited scale, there were also ways to communicate some things to my poolmates. Aggression with rougher bumps. Direction. We could nudge each other. To ensure survival of our species, we may push each other towards direct Condrona rays. If the current around me sped up, I knew that there could be danger. It could be an alcove with no Condrona. Or a yerk eater so best to avoid anything like that. A few other instinctual actions. Until my world opened up. The day I was chosen, I had found a nice open patch of Condrona. I was almost nourished, and then suddenly, the pool liquid swirled around, and I felt my entire body engulfed and pulled quickly through the liquid. And for the first time in my life, I felt the dry heat of the Condrona, and I did not like it. I panicked and twisted my body, and then that's when I felt it. A crevice, a small sliver of an opening. It was my only way to escape. I began to try and enter, squeezing my body through the crack. Right as I was preparing to push myself through, I was shoved down, and whatever had me trapped loosened. As soon as I was free, I moved to the first place I felt could shield me from the harsh Condrona. A cave. I pushed the rest of my body into this canal, searching desperately for the familiarity of the pool that I've always known. I came to a point where the rough canal around me opened up. It was still narrow, but I could spread my body around it. The surface had a texture that felt lumpy, but there were crevasses all around and I could seep into and grip onto them while I rested. As I sunk in, I felt a jolt of energy run through my body. It was like nothing I'd ever felt before. I was so confused. I began to feel it more and more through other parts of my body, and it was overwhelming. With these feelings, 
began to come information and instincts that I couldn't ever have dreamed of. I couldn't process all of it. It all happened within minutes. There's still no real way to explain it. I had access to so many new things. And once my mind began to catch up, more of my own basic instincts kicked in and I could begin to control the information I was learning. Whatever this cave was that I stumbled on was the source of this and I could access different parts just by thinking about it. I began to try to activate only one crevasse at a time and it worked. My world opened up even more and I was sent right back into shock. I had never seen before this moment. I don't know that I would ever have understood had I not been connected to this cave. Once I opened the what I know now as my eyes, the other crevices began feeding me the information that I needed to understand. It was bright, it was brilliant. Lights, colors, textures, shapes, depth. I was taking all of this in for the first time. Why I cannot move? It again took myself time to begin to comprehend what that was. The thought was not my thought. I didn't even know what move was. I didn't know what language was, but I understood quickly enough to adapt. I found out later that is a trait Yerks have. Our brains adapt very quickly when taking in information and knowledge over our hosts. It is instinctual. Cannot speak. What's happening? I could not concentrate on this one thought as I was too busy receiving wave after wave of information. I found meanings and memories. I learned what movement was and how to do it in an instant. I learned what a ged was, a remarkable species. They could see, they could move and hear. That's what this cave was, a ged, a ged named Lynn. The ged were lopsided blue furred creatures big beady eyes, three limbs that extended to the ground, another more useless arm. I looked around and I saw other Ged who helped me stand on my three limbs. Yerk, the Ged said to me, you are Yerk, this Ged is your host. I looked around. I saw other Ged reaching into a gray liquid that swirled. They pulled out something from the liquid, a darker gray object. No, no, it was moving, squirming. It was a creature. Eric, Lynn thought. Lynn was right. I knew then that's what I was. That's what I really looked like, the Ged. Holding a yerk took it over to another ged that was pinned down by yet even more ged. The yerk was shoved into his blue ear. An ear is what the ged used to hear. The yerk slithered its way in and I watched as moments later the ged began to convulse and spasm. I realized the same thing that I had just done to Lynn was now being done to the ged in front of me. Lynn have the yerk. That why Lynn can't move. Lynn was right again. He couldn't move because I now controlled his body. I now controlled everything. I could move his body, and I did. I looked at Lynn's hand, 
through Lynn's eyes. I was in control and there was nothing that Lynn could do about it. I had the power. That's right, Lynn. I am a yerk. You let Lynn go? He pleaded. No, Lynn. I don't think I will. Yerk Homeworld has a brown, dusty landscape. Not many trees scatter the planet, but just enough to keep it breathable to the species that inhabit it. There are massive pools littered throughout the terrain, filled with a dark, gray, sludgy liquid. A crimson sun hangs in the sky, giving a red hue to everything that it touches. A little out of place in the desert scape is a series of awnings constructed of metal. Open walls so that the outside is merged with the inn, but the awnings shield the beings working under the harsh sun. The compound of these workstations is surrounded by antennas that stick straight up from the ground, with small green lights flashing in unison from their displays. These antennas are a good distance away from the compound and spread wide. Inside the compound are beings that walk on four legs. Their front half is extended upwards, forming a humanoid torso. Their arms extend out and end in seven different fingers. Their heads have three slits for noses and no mouth. But it does, however, have eyes. Four of them, in fact. Two of them sit in the upper third of the head while the other two sit atop two stalks that rise out of the top of their head. They almost look cute, except they have these long tails that end in razor-sharp blades. Andalites. Elira. Your transport has just landed, and the shuttle doors raise up. As you step out into this compound, can you please describe your character, Casey? So the most striking thing about Alira is that if an Andalite were a horse, she would be a Shetland pony. She is, on average, much smaller and has stubbier legs than your standard Andalite um, and just kind of like weirder proportions. Um, she's also a little bit lighter blue and has just a teeny tiny sad little tail blade. She wears bracers on her wrists, carries a bag over her shoulder, and bears a look of disdain at any given point. The smell hits you immediately. It's hot and musty. A mildew stench pretty much covers this planet. What do you do? Cough loudly and pointedly. <laughs> <laughs> this planet, I swear. As you kind of look around, you see Andalites hard at work. Dozens of them. There's some that are over there assembling shredders. Uh, some more over there constructing uh, scoops for the Andalite warriors. Uh, 
Uh, there's one that tends to befit birds brought from the home world. Some work on repairing the ships, others spar to just pass the time. I think I'm going to start walking towards the ships, but as I'm walking, I'm gonna, my stock eyes are gonna kind of turn and like check out the people like building the shredders just as I pass by. They got the newest models over there. They're taking them apart. Like there's two Andalites that are kind of facing each other with uh, blindfolds over their main eyes and their stock eyes are like uh, wrapped around each other and like there's a little bag over the top of it. You see them like compete and trying to put these shredders together without looking. And as this kind of takes the focus of your stock eyes and your main eyes are on these ships, something just crashes into you from the side, hard and it sends you sprawling on the ground. Your main eyes just see dirt, this red, crimson, brown, dirty dirt. But your stalk eyes meet another pair. Alex, can you please describe your character? Crashing into this this so small Andalite is the exact opposite. It is the the Clydesdale horse of Andalites except the legs are very long they are not not muscular and cool like you're thinking kind of like a little bit of a foal hasn't quite grown in to his body yet and a uh, little unsure of legs at all time as you just before he crashed in to Lyra he was looking at all of his feet repeatedly with all four eyes then like flashing them back up like he's not quite you know, he's just got to check out his surroundings, and uh, as he's knocking her over, you can see his tail blade just kind of counterbalances him, and there's like a notch out of the end of the blade. And then he looks down and he goes, I, I apologize. I apologize. I apologize. And then attempts to pick her up. As you reach for me, I'm going to smack your hand away. Not looking at you, I'm just like, smack. And then I'm going to stand up slowly on my own four legs, slowly turn to look at you, and just go, Really? He's just holding his hands in front of him, out of the way. I... Um... Yes. Really? Yes? Really? Is yes? Is yes? Is yes? Yes is the answer you are looking for. Affirmative. So, so you, you did just bodily slam me into the ground. I greatly misunderstood your original question. I did, I did do that, but I did not, I did not mean to agree to that. You did not ag agree to tackle me into the... Okay, listen. Clearly, it is not your fault that you did not see me as your legs are the tallest thing I have ever seen, and clearly you cannot see anything below five feet, so I will forgive you this time. Good day. And she's going to brush past you, and as she's walking, her tail is lashing side to side like an angry cat. He's going to follow you right behind where your tail is lashing with his hand still like held up going... It is very difficult to see low to the ground. I am still getting used to it. 
my apologies. I did I did not mean to knock you over. And he's just going to keep going, <laughs> following you, repeatedly explaining. Like, I just, I was attempting to see, but then I took all of my eyes down, and, and then I just, I was confused. I did not see you there, but I see you now. She's going to continue to stomp away from you, but one of her stock guys kind of turns behind her. And without turning her head, she's just like, oh, so so all four of your eyes were on me, as if, you know, you don't have enough eyes that could possibly point in any other direction at any time. Have you, who are you? Have you not had any training? You never put all of your eyes on one direction. What? His stock eyes whip away from looking at her because he had all four (laughs) eyes. (laughs) I saw that. Oh. And why are you following me? I apologize. I I believed that we were conversing. I see now we were not. Did you want to know what they call me or was that not? Did you just want me to go? I think she's going to kind of slow down a little bit and then go, you know, I'm just going to do my thing and what you do simply does not matter to me. So you can continue talking at me in my direction. And that's your prerogative. And then she's going to go back to her original pace. He'll just stay there watching her walk away. She gets a few feet away. You both hear booming thought speak in your head that says, Attention, Aerith! Please join us in the center of the compound. Your mission briefing will begin shortly. You guys see that this comes from a broad-shouldered Andalite with a commander rank on a pauldron that sits on his shoulder. Sinillian will be standing there looking between that guy and Alira, that guy and Alira, and then he'll just turn and start going towards that guy. Alira will also have a moment of indecision where she she kind of just wants to head towards the ships. But she's also still got her stock eye on on this dude that just crashed into her. And she kind of turns back to the ship and she kind of goes, all right. And then she'll saunter over in that direction, but looking like she's very harried about it. As you both like start to move towards the center, a dozen other Andalites gather and stand at attention, waiting to be briefed. The Andalite with the pauldron walks up and just looks at, over everybody. He walks up on like a raised stage, kind of looks out. Welcome to the Yerk home world. You've been sent here to evaluate and assess the species of this world. Yerks are the dominant species here. You will be given your briefing by the commanding war prince of this sector. War prince Alaron, Simtor, Koras. So remember your ranks and be respectful. Are there any questions? Maybe not. Uh, And he walks down and you see another Andalite, this one's slimmer, but he kind of stands up straight and there's this 
aura about him. He just commands respect. He's got these orangish brown eyes and they scan over the a group of Aeriths that stand in front of him. Snillian's trying to hunch down to the level of all the other Andalites. His gaze lingers on you for a second, noticing how big you stand out. And then it moves to your right and keeps going and then stops and comes back and glances down at uh, Elira, standing lower than most of the other Andalites. Elira, during the first presentation, was just kind of fiddling with her bracers. When Aloran came out, she kind of looked up, and then as she sees him looking at her, she goes back to her bracers. It's quiet for an unsettling, awkward amount of time as he looks over everybody. The first thing that you all hear from him, does anyone know what the Yerks natural abilities allow them to do. One Andalite, like, slowly raises a hand. They, uh, they can take over the minds of a, a species that they can get in contact with. That's correct. Andalite kind of slinks back because as Alron tells him he's correct, he gives a fierce glare to him. Can I discern anything from that from that glance? That rolling insight check. Ow, beans. Oh no! Oh dear. I don't know anything. <laughs> well, <laughs> actually, well, you, actually, you <laughs> got him. <laughs> it's so early to break me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, I liked it. <laughs> you are watching as he gives this glare to this Andalite. And as you're like kind of staring in closer, he looks at you and gives you the same glare. She's going to kind of start a little bit and just kind of avert her gaze. He continues. The Yerks are weak, however. They're blind and deaf in their natural state. They need to stay in the pools that surround this planet for 98% of their lives if they cannot take a host. Are you muted or do you... No, I'm just wondering... Are you just doing math? What the 2% is? Yeah. (laughs) B is wondering. He's sitting there going, "What's what's the 2%? Where do they go? What do they do? Why? Maybe it's just time spent at the surface of the liquid. The hosts on this planet are no warriors either. The Ged are crippled beings. They limp around, they're not very strong or durable. But that is my concern for now. You're not here to play heroes. You're not here to find glory. You must earn that right. The right to be called an Andalite warrior. While you're here, you will patrol. You will monitor the area and creatures here. And you will log it and turn it in every three rotations. If there's anything you find that needs immediate attention, tell your superiors. 
Do not leave the campus for any reason. Now I want to end this briefing with a few questions. We know the Yerks have abilities that will allow them to rule over the primitive species of this planet. Yes, but that would be the natural way of things. That would not upset the balance of the galaxy at large. So why do we monitor here? Why not let the species stay on their planet and go on with our lives? He looks around. None of you, none of you have an answer. Alira's thinking of an answer, but she doesn't want to say it out loud. She's just kind of rolling her eyes. Yeah, Sinillian's shrinking down as, as just trying to get smaller. <laughs> Both of you roll me performance checks. God damn it. <laughs> All right. Pretty low. Yeah, pretty bad. Pretty freaking low. Mine's pretty, pretty freaking bad. Yeah. He looks directly to you, Sinillian. You. Do you know what Ciro's kindness is? Yep. Why don't you tell everyone? And he tries to, like, straighten up and, like, hands behind his back, trying to look as formal and well-trained as possible. All, all the stock guys going everywhere. All the things he's supposed to be doing. Tailblade held at the appropriate level, not threateningly high not too low and he'll be like you can't give technology to other species because they'll take over give me a persuasion check with advantage <laughs> really <laughs> persuasion mm-hmm okay a well 20. <laughs> very good like collapses in on himself a little bit. <laughs> I think Ilara's gonna thought speak privately to him. You have dirt on your face. Immediately without thinking, hand goes to face, starts like wiping at, <laughs> at his face. <laughs> uh, Alron keeps, he looks like quizzically at that for a second, but then addresses the group at large again. Zero befriended the Yerks. And then he coddled them. And then he trained them. He showed them the universe. He showed them all the things that they could not have. Living here on this planet. He even built them portable Kondronas that allow them to transport their pools. He put the galaxy at whole at risk being enslaved. He was sent to the Hort-Bajir homeworld, a distant primitive world with little to no sentient inhabitants. But the Andalites do not waste a great mind. Though it was kind, Ciro's trust, Prince Ciro's trust, was misplaced. And now it's up to the rest of us to make sure his folly does not have catastrophic ramifications. We are Andalites. We are the bravest warriors in the galaxy. 
We have a responsibility to keep those discus... Those creatures at bay. You two. And he points to Elira and Senilian. Please join me over here. The rest of you are dismissed. Senilian's going to private thought speak to Elira like, what did we do wrong? Did I, is it the dirt on my face? Probably. I did nothing wrong. I don't know why this is happening to me. Did I get the dirt off my face? <sighs> do you really want to know the answer to that question? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. You are very gullible, and that is good for me to know. And she's just gonna not <laughs> continue. So, did I get the dirt off my face? <laughs> she's gonna ignore you and walk up to Aloran. He's gonna be wiping his face as he, <laughs> like, trying to, like, before he reaches Aloran, try to, like, wipe his face off. As you all approach, he just stares at you again as you, as you get there for an, another kind of uncomfortably long time. Tail is twitching a little bit. 45.6 seconds. Yerk seconds. 48. 40, yeah. You two. You both stood out to me. So I've decided to give you a task. I need you to reset the west perimeter marker with these coordinates, and he hands you a data pad. Senilian. Senilian goes to grab it and fumbles it and tries to tries to catch it. Hopefully he does. Deep sigh. You want to roll a deck save? I would love to roll a deck save. <laughs> yeah. Almost, almost smooth. Almost. As you, like, fumble it a little bit, but still keep it and got it firm he says i will have the technicians bring up the blast shields to keep any intruders out while the perimeter marker is down as you switch it out are, are we expecting trouble well this is a hostile world the Yerks have already started attacking different andalite bases they've gotten off the planet What, aren't they just Geds? Are they not just Geds? They won't take this base. Not as long as we don't make any mistakes. Elera glances at Senilian pointedly. And if they get too close, we put some tail in them? You see the Andalite's eye smile. Put some tail in them. You too. All right. Dismissed. Do Andalites salute? I don't. Do you think they would? I don't. Th I feel like it would be more of like a lowering, like stock eyes kind of a thing than like mm -hmm. an actual like army, just because like their arms are weak. Yeah. Yeah. We should. We should do that. Okay. If, if, if anything. Sweet. We'll do that. Okay, mine, mine are kind of jerky, and I'm already, like, turning to go. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get away from Senilian. 
Cedillion does like the proper respectful like like almost a little too long like really trying to like suck up and then he'll turn and go but as he's following Alira his listen his stride is real long so it's like as much as Alira is probably trying to move off quickly he catches up pretty fast <laughs> for like one stride hers is like four strides <laughs> and you guys are off what do you do as you go? Play with the tablet. There's some coordinates on there and instructions on how to switch out the uh, perimeter markers. Are there any games on this tablet? A Romeo uh, intelligent or a, a technology check, which is Arcana. I believe you'll find it's pronounced Arcana. Oh, I'm sorry. You can't find any games. He'll show it to Alira and be like, there are no games on this. What? I... She's gonna snatch it grumpily and look at it. It gives you the coordinates. They are that. They are numbers. And it says, uh, uh, actually, you roll me an Arcana check. Again? Arcana, dude. Arcana. Arca Arcana. 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 Arcanine. Like Arcanine. Arcanine. Oh. Late starters. As you scan through, Alaron clearly told you go west. As you look through the coordinates, you see that a marker on the east is actually uh, blinking and needs to be serviced. Hmm. Fascinating. Can we fly there? Or must we walk? just like speaking aloud to no one in particular I I'm, I cannot fly yet I could try I am pretty decent on the simulators mm -hmm. yes hmm. hmm yes how about I do the flying just, just, just a hunch that perhaps, maybe, maybe that's best. Does the tablet say we can take a ship? Does it? As you were like looking through it before, you see you could make it there on foot within like an hour. They don't normally let uh, Eris take ship out, ships out. Of course they don't, dude. Of course they don't. But anything's possible. I mean, we could walk, but where's the fun in that? Um, she's gonna head over to the ship uh, area. Wait, does wait? Uh, does it? Does the tablet say if we are allowed to take a ship? Well, it never hurts to try. Do you want to walk for an hour? If that is what Aloran wants, then that is what I would like. It doesn't say how it wants us to get to the point. Um, so why don't we just use our imaginations? I, I feel as though they would not appreciate us using imaginations to take a ship. I feel as though we should... It seems as though we would not be taking a ship. Hmm. 
Well, I'm going to ask. You can do what you want. I'll meet you over there. Over at at the over at the at the at the waypoint. I, I think it occurs to her that she didn't actually like share the the east waypoint with you, so she'll just like throw the the thing at you. Like just just handle it. He'll try to grab it and like <laughs> again like fumble it, especially because you're throwing it. He's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh oh, that was a mistake. Ooh. Mm. You want to roll another deck save? Can I please give him the help action as I also dive, realizing my mistake and try to dive for it? Yeah, with the help action, you you dive down and manage to like hit the hit the tablet back up into the air and like give him another chance, and he he grabs it as like clutches it to his chest. It was almost broke right there. Ooh. Apologies. Um. No use uh, breaking a perfectly fine piece of technology. Y- you know what? Maybe we should just walk, I guess. Oh, okay. And then he'll turn west and start walking. But, but, but there's one east. There's one east and it was blinking, she like shows you. But Lauren said to go west. But this one's blinking. Therefore, it must be more important. What did the training manual say about this? <laughs> she kind of studies you for a minute. <laughs> is is blinking more important than orders? I don't know the hierarchy of this situation. Well, let's let's put it this way. The people in charge control the technology, and if the technology is blinking and clearly indicating a high-priority signal, therefore, it's kind of the same thing. And since technology is more advanced than the faulty Andalites, uh, I'm more inclined to go with that one. His eyes go so wide when you say anything against the Andalites, but then he'll be like, okay, I guess that makes sense. So east? Yes. Lovely. And you begin your trek east. After about 20 minutes, the compound is kind of, you can't see it anymore. Like you've, you've traveled far enough to where you kind of can't see it. The sun is hot and blistering. Uh, it stinks. Because she has to take so many more steps than your average Andalite. Alara is just like complaining the whole time. She's like, this is why I wanted to fly because this planet is disgusting. And we would have been so much more comfortable in the ship. We would have gotten there faster but no they don't rent out ships to ours no because that would be you know that would make sense etc etc Sunilian is spending so much of this walk just trying to shorten his strides enough that he's like not completely like 
destroying Lyra. Like he's <laughs> he's just taking these like little steps, and then he'll like zone out and start walking like normal for him, and then be like, oh, oh shit, and like just kind of like back off, back to like little steps. Wait up. Hey. He'll just like slow down and like stop every once in a while. He's trying so hard. You guys can roll me some perception checks as you keep moving. And you both have advantage because of Andalite has a lot of eyes. Yeah, Andalite has a lot of eyes. <laughs> and they evolved from prey animals, probably. They super did. That's in the, the Elemis Chronicles. <laughs> See? Spoilers. For the, for the Elemis Chronicles. <laughs> came out in 1997. Get on board. As you guys look around... Senillion, you see the marker in the distance, in the east, and you do see the flashing red light. You see this as well, uh, Elira, but you also catch with one of your stock eyes a ged outside the perimeter, like on a cliff face, and when he sees you see him, he scurries back. Oh, look, look, there's, we found it, and Senillion will start to, like, move faster towards towards the flashing red light. Are you pointing all of your eyes in different directions? The top two scatter. Yes? <laughs> Did you not see the ged that just was on the hill? I did. Illyria's gonna kind of like... Um, she's gonna kind of trot sort of after the Ged um, while keeping uh, Senillion in her sights as well. The uh, stick with the blinking red light is probably a hundred feet away from you two right now. The Ged is past that perimeter on one of the hills. You can go out there, but you know that there is a one-way uh, force field that keeps things from coming in. So once you go out, you won't be able to come back in unless, I guess, somebody takes down the perimeter. Mm -hmm. I don't think she would cross the perimeter. She would just get kind of get close and see if she can see what it's doing. Uh, as you get closer and uh, you're kind of scanning the area where you kind of saw the get as he kind of scurried back down the hill, like out of you. Give me another perception check with advantage. Oh, damn. Damn. Nice. Senillion, you're kind of trying to focus in the same place Alira is, but you don't see anything. It's just, it's just more... Different visual heights. It's hard to reconcile. Yep. It's weird that she can see it being lower. Because, <laughs> because you it's climbing similar, obviously. Yeah. She's yeah. got that low. <laughs> and it's a different planet. Who knows how it works? I provide the perspective. There's one single tree, the only tree they've ever seen on this planet, directly in the way of Sanillion. <laughs> yes, canon. it? Uh, it's a dirty tree with dirty leaves, but yes, canon. it? This old dirty tree. Alira, you see, still peek its little head, these big round eyes just peeking over like a rock, watching you two. Again. Hello? It ducks its head back where you can't see it. I don't believe you're allowed to talk to me. I don't... Do they understand? 
language? Because they're not intelligent, right? They're... They're... Did we learn about these guys in school? Um, they're not intelligent as Andalites. Are they speech capable? <sighs> okay, but you do realize we are on a Yurk planet and the Yurks do infest the Geds. That's worse. If you're talking to a Yurk, that is worse. But it's staring at us, and it should not be. If it gets close enough, I will put tail into it. <laughs> she kind of looks at your tail blade and and how how big and scary it is, and kind of looks it around. She's like, mm. turns back towards the ged. When you uh, thought spoke to it, it ducked its head back down. But you notice that it kind of like scurried a little bit to the left, and now it has poked its head up from another rock and is watching. Who are you? What do you want? Ducks its head back down again. Hmm. Timid little thing. <sighs> I guess it doesn't want to mess with the mighty Andalites. Um, she's going to turn and walk away towards it, but keep one stock eye on it. Yeah, every now and then you'll see it kind of pop its head back up and watch you. Sanillion will follow Alira, but like I think he's gonna keep having one stock eye that keeps going back, and after a while he's going to say, What if it was trying to play a game? A game. Yes. I believe even lesser species have been observed playing games. Well, perhaps you should uh, show it the games on the tablet. Oh, wait, there are no games on the tablet. Perhaps we should uh, get back to work. He's just going to look properly ashamed. Just walk quietly. And there's that perimeter marker there. It's uh, blinking red. There uh, is like this little case that's next to it, like a little lockbox case. And the instructions on the tablet basically tell you how to change it out the uh, perimeter marker. Sanillion will do the thing you should never do, which is look at the tablet and read through one step at a time instead of reading through all the steps to understand what you're doing. So he'll just start reading the one and then going to attempt to do step one. Step one for changing out the marker is to ensure that the auxiliary shields are activated by the technicians. You both remember that Aileron said that he was going to have that done for you by the time that you got there. Step one, complete. Step two. Step two, remove bad power coil. All right. Sanillion's going to try it. Give me a technology roll. If you have any tools that may help you with this, now's the time. Hey, bro. Hey. Yeah? Bro, I don't. All right. Unless you mean tailblade, because I do have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What does it look like when you take this uh, coil out with your tailblade? Assuming it's like a coil that is visible and apparent, which one? Yeah, like, basically you got to open this sliding hatch and... 
there it is. Great. He'll open the sliding hatch and then use his tail blade to kind of hook around the coil and then just like flip it so it's on the side and pull out with his tail blade. As you do that, a, a spark lights up and the light blinks twice and then the the red light starts blinking really, really fast. You give me a, a perception check with disadvantage and Alira, what are you doing while he does this? Watching in horror. <laughs> then you can give me a perception check. Step three. He's just continuing on as if nothing is going awry. Because <laughs> as far as he knows, this is how it works. So first thing, Alira, this is wrong. She pulled it out with too much force. You're really supposed to like be able to just lift it up and pull it out. But something may have broken in the bottom part of it. The second thing you notice is that as that light starts blinking, the Ged reveals his full head. Get it. Um, so I think she's just gonna like dive in there and be like, what, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? It is step two. Remove the faulty coil. With your tail blade? I, oh my goodness. You can't, you, you can't use your tail blade for everything. I, my hand was holding the sliding door up. I needed... I I was already using my hand. She's going to throw her, her bag on the ground and start, like, rifling through it and get her uh, tinker's tools out. Just keep an eye on that ged. What? I Where? If she points out the ged, you can see him now. He's now chest up above the rock watching. Do, do you point out the ged? Yeah, I think I think she's just gonna like wave her arm impatiently in the direction, <laughs> and then she's gonna try and fix and make the light stop blinking. First off, assessing the situation, the bottom of the coil was broke off and is still in the bottom part of this of its latch, the screw part where it goes in. If you just reach in there, there's a chance of you getting electrocuted. So you need to shut the power off mm-hmm. to get it there. Okay, we need to shut the power off because I don't care to be fried. I do not believe that was in the steps. Mm. She's gonna, she's gonna like turn towards you and think. Okay, I know. That, mm. You remember when I said I, you had dirt on your face? Yes. Okay, I meant it's on your nose, because that means that all you do is snivel in front of these Andalites and try to follow all the rules, and it, it, the, the world doesn't work like that. Help me find a power switch. He will help you try to find the power switch, but he's going to be like, I, the, it works exactly like that. No, it doesn't. Ugh. You're just saying that because you're big and, and you have a tail blade and... and Oh, she's just gonna like start rifling through stuff and like looking around, and she's just like, like you don't know what it's like to be tiny and a female and and have the cards stacked against you. He's just gonna like he doesn't know what to do. He's gonna be like, you you have a tail blade as well. <laughs> she's gonna turn and look at you and just be like, barely. Look at it. It doesn't matter. Ugh. Mine's got a, a, mine's not great. It's got a thing, it's got a thing in it. Um, your tail blade seems, seems fine. It's 
It's great. I think she's going to kind of pause a little bit and just kind of turn to you slowly and say, like, um, what happened to your tail blade? Cool fight. It was very heroic. And then he'll just, like, busy himself looking around for the power switch. I'd just like to really offer assistance to Casey. (laughs) Okay, do that. That's fine. Eight is high enough to find the power switch. Oh, thank goodness. But what about an eight? Oh, an eight. Mm. It's Uh just high high enough. (laughs) The DC was seven and a half. Tim's going to be enraged. You know how he hates those decimal points. Cool. Let's let's turn that shit off. You flick the switch and it... You see the shields flicker off. And you don't even need to roll a perception check. This Ged is out from behind the rock now and looking and he cocks his head and like raises up and then turns around and like reaches behind the rock. What do you guys do? Hmm. Question sort of one step, one layer back from the game. We have no inkling that we probably just turned off the power shields, right? Uh, The inkling that you had is when the shields went off. Okay, so we straight up saw that all go down. And we understand that the backups are like not... You do not see the backups up. Great. I didn't. I in my mind because it's technology. I just assumed they were completely invisible. Not not civilian who would know this. I Alex am like alien power shield can't see it. All right. So the shields are down. Ilira's gonna kind of go. Oh dear. And then dive back into the box and try to get everything going again. Because you're trying to do it fast. Give me another tinker's tool with disadvantage. And civilians just posturing at this thing like pro- like not understanding that this ged probably doesn't know shit oh no casey oh, no. but like holding his tail blade up like he is just looking like big bad like andalite i'm gonna i'm gonna come get you throw me intimidation check perfect be the most intimidating probably pretty Ooh. fucking intimidating scary this ged like looks over and as he, like, br- comes back from over the rock, you see he's just got a stick. And he, like, looks, sees you, and uh, you that's the first noise you hear from him is, like, a little grunt as he kind of waddles back over the rock. Elira, as you go to work on this marker, on this perimeter marker, you see that you have only, the sh- only shields that are shut down are the ones that directly connect to this. So as you like look a ways down, you do see that the shield is still around the rest of the compound. As far as you can see, you can see those shields up. Uh, as you go to work on this, you accidentally cut a wrong wire and you see the shields flicker. They come back on, but as like a few seconds later, they just flicker again. <laughs> yeah, those things are really touchy. I know, because I took out the coil, and they are very sensitive. Oh, um, okay, uh, 
Everything is fine. Everything is perfectly fine. Excellent. So I cut the wire. Can I try and patch the wire? I don't know. Uh, you can give me another technology roll just to like kind of assess the situation. Uh, just is that Tinker's tool or, or is that Arcana? You can use your Tinker's tools for this. With a 13, I'll say you can't patch it from here because it like the connection's already been cut and, and there's like been a short that happened in the rest of the uh, in the rest of the walls. But like as you're kind of running this diagnostics test, you see that the west walls, the west perimeter shield is also down. And I'll just say with that with that 13 and, and your just general knowledge of this kind of stuff, you know that the perimeter shields are basically set in quadrants so there's like east west north and south you dropping this east shield would not have dropped the west shield okay so um update the east shield is sort of broken um and As much as I hate to admit it, this might be beyond my scope of knowledge to fix it. And she's kind of like wringing her hands like, like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Can we make a call with the tablet back to whoever made the checklist? I think perhaps we should maybe do that because I think they're going to be very upset with me, but that's probably better than leaving the compound exposed to enemies. So, sure, do that. All right, he'll try to figure out how to do that on the tablet. I'm assuming that's like a basic thing one may do. Basic training covers that, how yeah, to make calls FaceTime them. Yeah, can we FaceTime the other Andalites? Yeah, it's a video uh, chat. Awesome. Uh, Andalites? communicate like through thought speaking that's emotions and you know mixed probably with words and feelings and stuff like that but they're pretty expressionful they like to emote with their eyes so they like to look on tablets and facetime but you don't get anybody's face when you when you dial in it's just nobody answers there is no response from the base huh that's strange. Huh. This is concerning. A bit. Um, well, I'm not sure how to fix this. Um, it's about an hour back, I want to say. Unless we run? She kind of, like, sighs deeply. (laughs) Well. Sure. I guess we might have to leave it exposed for a bit and just hope that nothing happens and perhaps take care of it if it does. (laughs) I am ready to put some tail into whatever comes our way. So I guess we start heading back to... The base. You start hoofing it. Ha! 
And yeah, you guys make amazing time. In a surprising turn of events, Alara seems to be outpacing you, Senillion. I think she's just so horrified that she fucked up so badly that she's just like, oh god, oh god, oh god, oh god, oh god, we gotta go. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely put in more effort to move faster, like, as far as with your strides, but yeah, the, sure. she has the motivation. When you start to see these awnings, like, start to appear, roll me perception check. Thank God. Thank you for carrying the team. <laughs> Elyria, you're fully focused on, on getting back. You're like dead set. It's kind of hard to miss the sound of the explosions that you hear coming from the compound. Um, but the spacecraft that is flying off into the distance, only you catch. Um, it is definitely an Andalite spacecraft, and it's definitely just came from this compound. I don't think Chameleon uh, will keep that quiet for any amount of time. I think he will immediately be like, they're, they are leaving us. They are, at least some of them, are leaving the base. What? Why? And then he'll point out the ship. What's happening? It does not sound good. Come on, let's hurry. We'll double down to keep up now. You guys approach the compound. As you take in what you see, you just left. And you just see all of your uh, Andalite comrades going about their days, doing what needs to be done to maintain this compound, to broker peace with the Yerks that want to be peaceful. And keep the ones out that want the bad things, that want to infest and spread over the universe. You saw all that today when you first arrived, Lyra. But now you see those Andalites sprawled on the ground, smoking. Parts of their body looks like it was just disintegrated away. You also see even more bodies of Geds litter the ground slashed open some of them have shots more precision more precision wounds like smaller holes in their bodies and through all this death in these corpses you see three figures push themselves back to their feet but still lean over to one side and they kind of waddle towards you with this blue skin they're get and they one of them raises what looks like to be a modified shredder and he fires it at you too uh, both of you make me dexterity saves evasive maneuvers oh no <laughs> there are two other gets behind him they don't seem to have any of these things in their hands that'll be nine force damage to Senillion and uh, four force damage to Alara as this Dracon beam cuts in between both of you and hits you kind of both in the shoulder. You managed to get a little bit out of the way, a little bit more out of the way, Alara, than Senillion, but it still skims your arm. And we're going to roll initiative. All right, we'll say that that first Ged 
is the one that shot, and he, in, he initiated so the initiative. kind of you. That makes sense. You're such a benevolent GM. <laughs> Thank you, Senilian. Uh, how far is the Ged from me? The classic question. As you guys kind of came in and uh, halted at that blast, uh, they're about 30 feet from you. Fantastic. I will be moving over there and definitely attempting a tailblade attack on this motherfucker. Put some tail in him? Put some tail in him. Roll it up. A 13. We'll hit. Uh, just hit this, uh, just, uh, that? This is, yep. Can I attack him again? Well, first, uh, tell me how you- <laughs> You always make me do things. <laughs> well, yeah, I need you to do something for me. Tell me what it looks like when you kill him. Oh, no! <laughs> you oh, can't boy. attack him again, because he did. Oh, boy! Oh, okay. Um, I think what it looks like is, uh... This this boy gets shot and and Alira gets shot and he goes charging over now with his legs just kind of akimbo as he's rolling in on this little guy and he takes his tail blade and like slices right through him and then surprises even himself when this thing like just slices in half and is is dead and gone. I think he like takes a second to like stumble and like look at his tail blade in surprise because. This is not something that he's ever done before. And he looks just a little scared. Or maybe a lot scared. He looks a lot scared. There are two more Ged around you. One of them's about five feet from you. Another is about ten feet behind him. I have... I'll Yeah, I'll keep rolling through to this second guy. Alright. Uh-huh. What do you do with him? He's just gonna tail blade him. Alright. You still hit. Oh boy. <laughs> how many slatchins do I do this time? Enough. Tell me how this one goes. This one is the first one went through, he's looking at his tail, he's real scared, cause he's never done this before. And the second one, he like almost like shuts his main eyes but keeps his stock eyes open, and then just like levels another shot, this time like kind of expecting what's gonna happen. He doesn't like he's kinda cringing away from it and he slashes slashes through this second guy. Down on the ground he goes. He's just gonna he's gonna keep rolling. That's that's all the uh the attacks that he has, but he's he's just gonna He's gonna keep moving towards this last guy. So I can like reach this last guy, but I can't I can't do anything. Yeah, so you're in his face. I'm in his face, I'm ready. Alara, you see as Senilian charges forward, two other Geds start approaching from the west. There's two more coming that way. Okay. The Wicked Geds of the West. Yep. Cool. These two Geds off to the side use their full movement to... But the last Ged that's in front of you, Senilian, will take a, a just a little punch with his weak arm at you. Uh, he does not have a shredder. That one went down. Does a two? Does a two hit? Let me check because I don't genuinely know. It doesn't. Well, I guess he misses then. Or does he just hit you and it doesn't do anything? I think he I think he hits me with his weak arm right in my giant andalite leg and he just doesn't notice. 
I'd like to think that Ged hits him like in like the front of his leg and he kind of feels it and just has this mo like this instinctual moment of oh apologies Apolo like he's so used to running into people <laughs> bowling people and he just starts apologizing to this Ged oh my god thinking that he's hit him <laughs> it's confused aren't we all Alara's <laughs> up okay so I see the two coming from the west mm -hmm. how far are they from me uh, they're 20 feet away now. I mean, I do think at this point she's just, like, panicking a little bit. And she's just, like, fumbling with the switch on her bracer for anything. And let's go ahead and just do a flamethrower. I, I feel like these are pretty thick bracers, so I feel like this, like, little, like, tube comes out at kind of an angle and it just like shoots this cone of like let's make it blue fire just like straight at these dudes in a cone does that mean it's really hot if it's blue yeah yes they both fail so you can roll up some fire damage 2d6 as the flames clear what do these two get look like as they fall to the ground probably just like writhing and and like just on fire they probably smell terrible and they're probably still just like moving a little bit and and Alara's just disgusted and she steps back horrified and just scrabbles away Senillion you're a this guy just punched you in the knee and you apologize to him yeah and then just as he's traveling past another tail tail whip down towards him. Let me see if I can. Let's just... <laughs> That'll hit. A lot. The apologies still ringing in the Ged's ears as he runs past like in this... I'm sure it sounds just insane. He's so big. And then the tail blade follow through of the <laughs> as it slashes through him again. But then the apologies continue after that. He doesn't hear him. As you drop this last Ged, you see the scene around you again. Senillion, you look back west and you see one Ged, two, five, ten, all making their way towards the compound. And even past them, you see more kind of scattered. Elira, you notice within this compound movement and you see an andalite put his hands up on one of these desks that was in this compound the last andalite that you can see alive the geds that you all see rushing in will probably be there within about five minutes I think Illyra is going to run towards that Andalite. She's like breathing heavy and she's panicking. She's trying to get away from like the smell of like blood and burning flesh. And she's just like, I need an adult. And she's like beelining for this Andalite. I think Sinelian is standing, looking towards all of these Geds coming and just like, Main eyes forward, stock eyes going wild, and then he's just like 
wiping his tail blade into the dirt repeatedly, like trying to get the stuff off of it. So he like he takes a note of Alira running off towards the adult, but he's just like he he's at a loss. So he's just pausing there, just like almost like even once like the gore is kind of off of his tail blade, he's still like wiping it and wiping it into the dirt. Alira, you get to the Andalite that's kind of pulling himself up to this desk. Help us, help us, please. Oh, are you all right? Help us, please. Ugh. He kind of staggers, but you can't tell what's wrong with him. Like, you're just so caught up in this moment and kind of in shock. And he kind of looks at you as he, like, slides back down further towards the ground. I'm afraid I cannot help you. There's... No, 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 no. You, you, you have to, please. please. They're all, they're all dead. Please. What can I do? What, how can I help you? He kind of like looks past you and sees Senillion and then looks past him and sees the Geds. He'll kind of pause for a second and see them coming. Help me. Help me up. She kind of like cries like a little bit to herself like oh I'm very short but she'll try and help him up you like kind of put your arms under his to try to kind of lift him up but he keeps slipping because there's so much blood uh, coating his fur I think she's gonna call out and and, and be like Sanillion please help at that he'll kind of like stop like his paws in wiping his tail blade into the dirt at that and then kind of like turn and like come o- like meander over like he's not quite grasping the whole situation but he'll he'll walk right over help me help me get him up please and he'll just try to help pick him up like tail blade under one end like arms under the other lift up you are still got the adrenaline pumping through you help lift him up easily and as he like leans on you all for support uh, he kind of guides you guys to take him to this kind of cabinet that's set up by these desks as he gets over there and kind of leans against one of the desks and starts to get in the cabinet Elari you notice <laughs> you see a cage next to you with a kafit bird in it and as he pulls an item out of this cabinet and turns you all see a opaque blue box. Uh, he taps it and it glows. And he says, touch the Escafil device. Some creature howls in the distance. Snillian just touches it as soon as he's told. He doesn't question it. He doesn't understand really what's going on. He just does it. You feel a warm tingle in your fingers and a surge of delightfulness shoot up your arm and into your body. Alira's gonna kind of watch him do it and then glance back towards the thing that was just howling and then glance to the box and then just like throw her hand out and touch it as well. Yeah, and you feel the same thing. The points in which your hand con- contacts with the box, you feel like a quick tingle and then a nice sensation flow up your arm into and into your body you two now have the power to morph into any animal any creature you can touch touch the coffee bird record 
or acquire its DNA. And then you could turn into it. You must have been trained on the Andalite morphing technology. Use it to escape. Go! And when he yells go, uh, he'll touch the calf of the bird and then kind of look back, like, questioningly, like, now what? Concentrate. Think about your body turning into the Kafit birds, and you will become it. He will, but he'll look confused, and he doesn't stop touching the bird. He's, like, still touching it. Like, he doesn't quite, again, fully grasp what is happening. When you touch the bird, what goes through your head in that moment? this sort of tumbling thoughts of like we can't stay here we can't be here this bird can't be here I have to let this bird go I have to free this bird because the get are coming and he can't the bird can't get caught and so he's like thinking of like that but the images that are kind of going along with those thoughts are like the coffet bird flying the coffet bird getting out of the cage the coffet bird going you feel another slight tingle in your hands At first, it's he doesn't even like quite realize like what's going on. I think it it starts with sort of a his fur just kind of growing out like a little bit longer, like flattening out, becoming more like feathery, but not full feathers, just that texture. And then he starts shrinking, and that's when he pauses for a second, like oh, what's oh, uh. Uh, and then, like, kind of looking for, like, reassurance from from the Andalite that they've met that, like, this is okay. And then he'll, like, focus again and start shrinking down and, like, his limbs, slur- like, his tail kind of goes in at a normal rate. His upper body goes in at a normal rate. His legs are kind of, like, long and gangly and get more gangly and thinner before they kind of, like, spaghetti noodle into his body a little bit. Alira's just watching, like... Like seeing you, but not really seeing you. Like there's, she's just like dissociating at this point. She's just like, whoa, what's happening? The Andalite will look to you, Valera, and he'll say, "Go on. You don't have much time." What about you? He looks over his shoulder, and you see a dozen more cages of coffee birds, and he says. I'm going to free the rest of them, and then I will go, too. Okay. And kind of continuing to watch uh, Sinelian morph, she's going to kind of gauge, like, is he okay? Is this safe? And then she'll reach out and and touch the the coffee bird as well. What goes through your head as you touch the coffee bird? It's no secret that she's always wanted to fly kind of away from her situations and it's like starting to register to her that like she can do that now as she's touching this flying creature as you think about yourself flying away as this creature you feel that tingle in your hands again and like you too as well as you continue to think about it you feel the changes start what does that look like 
I'd say the first thing that starts to go is her tail, and the last thing that goes are her legs as she starts like morphing into this this bird. And so for a while, she just kind of looks like a weird bird with like four really stubby legs that are slowly like elevatoring into her body as she shrinks down to the ground. Uh, you guys feel the mind of this coffin bird take over. It automatically wants to just flock and fly away, but you steady yourselves and concentrate with all that's going on in the moment you're focused and you both gain control of the bird pretty quickly. I think Senillion at this point will will just kind of go on like watch like reporting like he's basically assuming that like this other andalite is going to free these birds and then start morphing so he's just like standing there waiting like kind of reporting on how far they are like he's basically trying to like play this sort of like okay you're in charge now and I'm giving you information and now you have to tell me what to do like he's defaulting back to that as you both complete your morphs he does move staggeredly and he has to keep his arms on something to keep himself up first he opens the one that he's by with you guys and moves on and starts to open some of the other cages he looks back and sees you all are still there and he says go i will i will free them and join you but you must go but they are they are close do you not should we not Aren't we supposed to? He he turns on you as you're saying this uh, with more like vigor than he's had the last few minutes. He spins and he says, Eris, you are being given a direct order. Leave. And as he says that, a uh, shredder beam that is wider and more distorted hits him right in the chest and just disintegrates his whole upper body. And you look to see where this came from. And again, holds a smoking altered shredder. I think they're take. I mean, I think he's taking off. I don't think he like the morph would just go. I don't think there's any sort of like andalite choice about it. Yeah, I'm fully in flight now. Just like we're gonna go. And you fly off to safety, both of you. And as the time goes past before your two hour limit is up you circle back you see Alaron with dozens and dozens of dead Ged at his feet covered in their blood a few more days go by you all have rejoined a group of Andalites that were sent to pick the survivors up you you two and Alaron aren't the only survivors but there are very few about 98% of the Andalites that were there are gone the issue of who is at fault is being addressed by the Andalite Fleet High Council you both have been accused of negligence that resulted in death. You all have a representative. How much would you all have told him about the situation? 
everything from start to finish with no uh, no lying, no deception. No, This is an Andalite representative, and of course they will get to the bottom of the situation to the correct and just decision, and there is no denying the intelligence and fairness of the Andalite species. Of course. And Alira, I think... In a, a less high-stakes situation, she would have tried every trick in the book to get out of trouble, but, like, she... I think she's just quiet and just lets Sanillion talk because she, like, she feels the full weight and the guilt of what she's done. She knows they're screwed, so she's just quiet. I think the only detail Sanillion wouldn't give them... I think he would just say that he was the one that was working on on that the shield thing. Like I don't think he'd say that that Alira had done anything with it. He would just say that he was working on it. Private thought speak. What are you doing? I, I'm just saying that I worked on it. We we both worked on it. Yeah, but, like, there's no point getting both of us in trouble if we're gonna get in trouble. And we won't, because they're not... They'll know. They won't get it. They'll know. It'll be fine. (laughs) I think she'll just climb up. That's the story your representative takes in there representing you with, with the High Council. This isn't like the American court system. You don't get necessarily get to be in the room with your accusers. You two are arths. You're waiting in the waiting field as the council deliberates. When he comes back, he tells you the superiors were not happy about the situation. Alaron told them that he told you the East Marker and the records show that he ordered the East Barrier to uh, be put up when the other one was supposed to go down. But he said after the incident, you two both acted very bravely. And although this was a tragedy, it seems to be an honest mistake. Listen, I've heard both of your stories. I've heard what you've said, Sanillion. You haven't talked much, Alira, but I hear you, and I want you to know that I do believe you. Unfortunately, they all believe him. And there's nothing more that I can do. So, The next question you may have is, what is to become of you two? Well, you're to be made warriors for your bravery and determination and to beat the odds alongside your prince. You'll be given the honor of assisting Prince Jaham Estalan Forlan in his research. And of course, providing him extra security uh, on his current assignment. And he kind of looks to you at that Sanillion. And you will be monitoring for your activity as well. 
You're being reassigned to RG21578-4. Planet with a primitive species, slightly sentient. You both are scheduled to leave right away. You're going to the Hort-Bajir homeworld. Howdy there, listeners. Before we send you on your merry way, I just wanted to tell you about a couple of real cool projects that are coming up that you should totally be aware of. One is The Way We Haunt Now. They just launched their Indiegogo for season three. And if you don't know what that is, it is a self-described light-hearted horror audio drama about friendship, found family, and fighting the narratives that try to define us even in the afterlife. Oh, and Ghosts. Did we mention Ghosts? It is a podcast that our own beloved Tim has voice acted on. As I said, they have just launched their Indiegogo. Uh, if you want to check that out, go to Indiegogo.com and search The Way We Haunt Now. And you can get in on that. They got some cool perks. Anywhere from a shout out on the website to music files, stickers, art prints, and more. So again, Indiegogo.com, search The Way We Haunt Now. The next thing I want to tell you about is our own beloved Late Starters, which we meant to do this in January, but sorry, we're late. We've just launched a Patreon. You can support us for just a dollar a month, and at higher tiers, you can get what I'm most excited about, and that's bonus content, which is going to be a rotating schedule of bonus podcast episodes, uh, stickers, and character logs, and other such nonsense. That is at patreon.com slash late starters. Go help those poor kids. They don't know what they're doing. And the final thing I want to announce is the DNDB merch store, which I know what you're thinking. I already knew about that. No, they have a new one and there's new stuff in it and it's beautiful and streamlined and awesome. And you should go check that out. That is at dndb-shop.fourthwall.com. Go get some cool freaking shirts for your cool freaking body. Get it. Go do that. I love you. It's happening. Okay, bye.